Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Tottenham are top of the league, Arsenal are bottom, Cristiano Ronaldo is back at Old Trafford, but do they even need him? I'm Dan Burke, this is the Premier League Weekend Review Podcast, and I'm joined today by Alex Mott. Hello. And Angelina Kelly. Hello. So, are you both looking forward to the end of the transfer window? Because <laughs> I sure than, am. Yeah, more than anything, mate, more than anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely, it needs to come to an end now, it's been going on far too long. I, t- I find this transfer talk the most tedious thing in the world these days. I don't know if it's just because my club never buys anyone, and <laughs> it's got something that, but I'm just so sick of it. There's so much more interesting stuff to talk about than transfers, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, including this weekend's games now. Absolutely, and what a nice segue to the start of the show that is, eh? (laughs) Uh, We're going to begin at Anfield today, where the blockbuster clash of the weekend finished Liverpool 1, Chelsea 1. Chelsea made an impressive start to this game, I thought. They took the lead through a Kai Havertz header, looked like they were in control of it. Do you think they would have gone on to win the game, Angelina, were it not for that penalty in the sending off? You know what? I think they could have done. Before the, the game actually happened, I was probably leaning more towards Liverpool just because I thought, you know, that atmosphere at Anfield, sometimes it's almost like an extra man for them. But I think that Chelsea will be feeling really, you know, frustrated and maybe wondering what could have been because I think up until that point, um, they they were looking very good. And I guess when something emotionally charged like that happens, shall we say, you know, it's going to affect your players, you're a man down. Um, and of course, it did have a big impact. And I think Chelsea, you know, prior to that, had the upper hand and props to them on how they organised themselves after the incident, really. Yeah, I think I changed my mind about four times during the course of the game about who was going to yeah. win the league this season. <laughs> just, at that stage of the season where you just jump into conclusions all the time, aren't you, I guess? Um, let's talk about this red card then. As I understand it, the fact that Reese James was denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity means it was the, the correct decision to send him off. But is that law fair in your opinion, Alex? Um, I mean, without being accused of sitting on the fence I can I can definitely see it from both sides to be honest I think the way it comes off James is throwing onto his hand means that I don't know Chelsea could probably be slightly aggrieved with it being a red card um, I'm not 100% sure about this sort of double jeopardy law that they've got I know the law is the law so technically it was a correct decision but I don't know it did it did feel a bit harsh I, but yeah the law is the law isn't it so I think it probably was the correct decision and and yeah I do think it totally changed the course of the game to be honest I thought Chelsea were excellent in the first half and yeah probably I mean there should have been more than one up really but um I, and then but then the way they came back in the second half and just got that low block going really shut out Liverpool at Anfield I thought to be honest, that was probably equally as impressive as anything they've done this so far mm. this season. I thought, um, yeah, I was really, really impressed with Chelsea, even if it was just a point. I was, yeah, really, really impressed with them. Yeah. Do you subscribe to this notion that, that red cards ruin games? I think, I think that was something that I don't I was know if it, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if it ruined the game, but it certainly changed it. Um, but you know, that's teams do. You know, on on training in the week, they do work with playing with ten men because you know it's it does happen quite regularly. So um, you could sort of definitely tell that. Chelsea are a properly coached team and you can tell that they've obviously worked doing t- 11 against 10 on the training pitch because they they blocked out those spaces really really well and yeah Liverpool didn't really didn't really look like scoring I didn't think in the second half so yeah really really impressed with Chelsea actually What are your thoughts on that decision Angelina just before we move on because I, 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 I come back to this quite a lot on the podcast that I think that uh, that some incidents don't warrant a player being removed from the match and this was one of them for me I don't know I feel like there should be something else there that's not sending someone off. For, An orange for card. Like yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. know, just something. Or like a sim bin or something. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to happen, um, is it? But we've been talking about no. this for a while. But 
I get what you mean, though. Definitely, there's there's arguments for and against, and I think if I was a Chelsea fan, I would have been, you know, a little bit fuming about it. Because mm. you can do a deliberate handball if it, as long as it's not denying a clear goal or opportunity, apparently, and it's not mm. a red card. So it's just a, a little, a little. The punishment doesn't really fit the crime for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, as you mentioned, Alex, Chelsea played the whole second half with 10 men, but they, they really kept Liverpool at bay and earned, earned themselves a point. Um, I mean, never mind their attacking talent, the, the attacking talent at City and United and Liverpool. Do you think it might be Chelsea's defensive organisation that could be the difference in the title race this year, Angelina? I, I think it really could be. You know, it was very impressive the way that they adapted in the situation, you know, um, like, like Alex was saying, they're, they're so well trained and it was just like superbly drilled. It, it just looked, it looked brilliant. Um, and the way that they limit, limited Liverpool, um, it was great to watch, you know, as, as a neutral in the situation. And I think it definitely could be the difference. You know, we saw it with Liverpool last season, how much of a toll not being defensively strong enough can be for, you know, whatever yeah. reasons, injuries or whatever. But, and I think it will be games like this where, you know, they got that one point that could make the difference at the top of the table. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty tight. And th- these are the games that definitely could make the difference. Um, and, you know, it's it's great being able to surge forward and score great goals, etc. But if you've got that leaky defence of a back three or back four or whatever, um, maybe they're not gelling with the goalkeeper, all that type of stuff, you know, it can have serious consequences. So to see them so comfortable I think was definitely a positive thing to say yeah Chelsea feel like one of those teams to me that you often see where they look so superior at the moment kind of you know in terms of the shape as I mentioned the defensive um, stuff that they're doing that you know Antonio Rudiger I don't know what they've been feeding him but he's a monster now (laughs) Andreas Christensen's brilliant as well I feel like eventually teams will work out a way to play around them but it's probably not going to be this season and I feel like that is really going to be their sort of What's, what marks them out against the competitors this year? Yeah, defence wins titles, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think so far, Chelsea's looked like the best defence. So, yeah, I'm with Angelina. It's going to be really, really tight this season, which, uh, yeah, it's going to be so interesting to watch for the rest of the season. Yeah. Really, really interesting. As for Liverpool, though, Alex, I mean, they played the whole second <laughs> half against 10 men. Should this therefore be considered two points dropped? Um, I think probably any points dropped at Anfield ones that Liverpool will probably look back on at the end of the season with a bit of regret. But like we've said, Chelsea were exceptional. I think they will be exceptional exceptional all season um yeah maybe with 10 men you could probably look at it and think maybe could have nicked it but I think over the course of the 90 minutes a draw is probably a fair result if if Chelsea had stayed with 11 men and on for the whole 90 minutes they probably would have won so yeah I wouldn't be too agreed if I was a Liverpool fan here to be honest it's also one of those games where they did create quite a lot of kind of half chances yeah and on another day maybe they take one of those maybe we're talking about a whole different narrative around the title race aren't we and saying oh Chelsea uh you know maybe they're not that good after all so yeah again it's uh it's a bit too early to be Jump into too many conclusions in it. Uh, I, I will jump to conclusions on Jurgen Klopp's uh, laser eye surgery, though. I don't, yeah, I, I don't yeah. like it. It doesn't it's so ruin. ruined his vibe, isn't yeah, it? it just yeah. doesn't, I've never seen a man look like worse with no glasses. I don't know. It just looks very, very strange. Yeah. I'm not having it. He's got quite beady eyes, hasn't he? <laughs> and, uh, and Thomas Tuckle's mouth covering technique left a lot to be desired in this game yeah. as well. I don't know what that was about. Some, some great memes about that, though. So fair <laughs> uh, on Sunday, Manchester United got a somewhat full fortuitous victory away at Wolves courtesy of a late Mason Greenwood strike uh, before we talk about this match there's only one place to start really and that's with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, what are your thoughts Angelina on his return to Old Trafford as a United fan oh I could have cried I literally <laughs> could have cried it was such an emotional roller coaster um because I I've been you know presenting the daily news um you know every morning talking about 
you know, Ronaldo to Manchester City. And I'm like, this can't happen. This can't happen. He's going to look terrible in sky blue. I, I can't deal with this. Um, and we were all kind of talking like, oh my God, imagine if United like came in for him and got him. How great would that be? And we're all like, it's not going to happen. And then to see it happening. And I think because it was just so fast and furious, like I didn't know what was going on. Mm. I had anxiety. I was stressed. <laughs> I was happy. I wanted to be sick. I had a headache. I needed to lie down. It was just a lot going on. But I think for any Manchester United fans, I also found it quite funny that before it was announced, I mean, I could see on on Facebook people kind of, you know, slagging him off already. <laughs> um, I think some United fans had already started burning shirts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously, you know, we'll be feeling pretty silly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a dream come true. Like I say, it was a roller coaster of emotions, you know, it had all sorts in it, you know, apparently, you know, Alex Ferguson got involved, like it, it was all happening, it's great. And I guess for Man United fans, you know, to see the player, you know, he, he developed from, you know, this wonder kid to, you know, the move to Real Madrid and, you know, becoming arguably the world's greatest or one of the world's greatest. So I think um, for fans to get to enjoy even a season or two of him still at such a high level, um, I think means the world for fans to be able to share once again, like, you know, in in everything great that is Ronaldo. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, I definitely didn't want him to come to City. I was very <laughs> upset about the possibility uh, You know what? <laughs> I spoke to a lot of City fans that were literally like, why is this happening? Like, if this is actually happening, like, I don't want him. Like, yeah. a lot of fans were not happy. Yeah, he, he, he just always feels like a United player to me. And I, I, I'll just never be able to shake that. I'd never have been able to grow, grow to love him, even if he scored 100, 100 goals a season for us or something. Do you think yeah. City really wanted him, though, Dan? I don't know. I, just, I don't know. What do you think it, it was actually true that they were in for him? Yeah, well, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, apparently. I mean, what's probably happened is they were sort of offered a deal by George Mendes. They were like, mm, we're thinking about it, and we're like, mm, okay, maybe, yeah. And at that point, George Mendes has probably gone to United and gone, "Do you want him to go to City?" Yeah, or, and they've yeah. Gone, no, no, definitely I, not. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Man United were in the loop about it the entire time, and I yeah. think unfortunately. I think, unfortunately, City were kind of used in it as a publicity story, in my opinion anyway, mm. um, that you guys maybe got used a little bit in it. And I have this weird feeling that Man United knew about it the whole time and something was going on, um, maybe behind closed doors, I'm not too sure. Yeah, well, Ollie was pretty scathing about him the day before it happened, wasn't he? Yeah. You play for Man United, you don't go to Man City. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people have, Ollie. <laughs> Yeah. And they'll probably do so again, I'm not sure. Um, is there any part of you that doubts that it's going to be a good move, Angelina, that it might upset the apple cart, maybe sort of hinder the the, the, the project that United are building there in some way? No, why would I even think that way? <laughs> I'm, I'm not bringing that negativity into my mind. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be perfect. And I will cry tears of joy this season. End of. Well, enjoy it. I, I, I hope you're wrong, but uh, yeah, good for you, good for you. Um, this win for United at Wolves means they've set a new all-time English Football League record for unbeaten away matches with 28. Um, you know, given the whole of last season was played behind closed doors, Alex, should that record come with a, a tiny little asterisk? Um, or maybe quite a big asterisk? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be harsh, but you're probably right. I think, um, yeah, obviously last season was a very particular incident, but I don't know, this... This win here probably, although in terms of performance was not great at all, was sort of a big tick in terms of, I don't know, Man United getting it done and De Gea sort of proving the doubters wrong, I guess, with some some really good saves. I thought 
I mean, they look completely at sea in the first half. And I think were it not for some pretty bad decision-making by Adama Traore, it probably could have been a one or two down. I, I don't want to rain on Angelina's parade, but I think even with Ronaldo, this this performance probably shows you why Man United aren't going to win the league. If they continue with Fred and Pogba in a midfield two, I just, they're going to, against better teams, they're going to come unstuck pretty pretty seriously, I think. You could just, I don't know, just the amount of space that was that was available for the Wolves players in that first half was pretty remarkable. Um, although, having said that, I think the way that they came out in the second half and then, and then eventually closed that space down was pretty impressive. But, um, yeah, I yeah, it was a good win, but a good three points. But it, yeah, it wasn't a good performance at all. I'd be slightly concerned if I was a Man United fan. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Angelina, did this game really highlight United's need for someone to bolster the midfield? And do you think they can be considered title challengers if they don't sign anyone else? Um, you know what, hundred percent. Looking at the midfield, somebody is needed. I mean, even looking at you know d- defensively in the midfield, we've got what thirty-three-year-old Nemanja Matic. No dis- disrespect, but. <laughs> That ain't going to work. Um, and then, you know, when you look at players like Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, but then you're also looking at players like, and again, no disrespect, but Scott McTominay and Fred, and you're just like, what is going on? There's no, like, it's one, like, different ends of the spectrum at times. It is how it looks. And then, obviously, you've got poor Donny, who can't get a look in, bless him. Um, need to see more of him. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just kind of like mean at this point. Like I just feel really sorry for him. But yeah, I think they were dreadful in the first half. Still slightly disjointed in the second. Um, and they were very lucky that they you know withstood the the pressure from Wolves that they had at times. And I think that Man United can still be in the mix in the top four. But um, regarding winning, definitely not hundred percent. This is a massive hole in this team that. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like they're going to be fixing and teams will be able to exploit this. And I think, you know, it, it is going to be a problem. I think, they'll, you know, they'll maybe be in the mix at the top, but regarding them actually being contenders to lift that trophy, I would say no. Mm, just a little bit a little bit short this season, I would say. Maybe, maybe I next think Saúl Aguez from Atletico Madrid's there, ready to go if someone wants him. And I think that would yeah. be a perfect signing for them. Um I really don't understand why that hasn't happened yet or why another central midfielder hasn't been linked heavily with them, Basuma at Brighton or someone like that, someone yeah. to come in and just be able to close those gaps, like I said, because yeah, a, a better side would have would have been two or three nil up by the by half yeah. time really. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't believe no one's gone for Basuma yet. Yeah. I think like forty million, that's a bit of a steal in this yeah, market, it is, isn't yeah. it? If, that, if that's what he what he's available for. Uh, we're talking about transfers now. What are we doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the football. As I mentioned, Mason Greenwood continued his fine start to the season with a winning goal in this game. Angelina, how good is he in your opinion? How good is he going to be and and are you concerned that maybe Ronaldo being there could hinder his development or or is he going to learn a lot from Ronaldo do you think oh you know what it's a bit of a mixture with the Ronaldo one but I mean regarding Greenwood 100% you know he's a talent and I think before he arrived on the scene with the first team um you know he was a a centre forward by trade really and um you know between I think it was between like 2017 and 2019 um you know he managed to score like 33 goals 11 assists in Premier League 2 under 18 Premier League and you know for such a young kid in my opinion anyway you know I think it's pretty um impressive and with so much more experience now under his belt I think he's got bags of potential um regarding the Ronaldo situation I'm not too concerned because obviously you've got Edison Cavani the way things are going is probably going to be in Uruguay for half the uh, <laughs> half the season or in quarantine. Um, 
And, you know, he, he's 19. It's not like at that age you would be expecting to play 90 minutes of every single game, you know, week in, week out. There are cup competitions as well, depending how long we stay in them, of course. Um, and I think he can continue his development. I think being around a player of the, the quality of Ronaldo over maybe the next two seasons and what he will learn will maybe outweigh the negatives of him maybe not playing as consistently. And obviously, you know, maybe we'll see him on the wing as well if, if Sancho has any time out. And as we've seen before, not that one to tempt fate at all for my team. It sounds like I am. But, you know, injuries do happen. Disasters can strike. So I'm not too worried just yet. Yeah, it feels like he always scores. He just has that knack of always making things mm. happen and getting on the end of things and I think it was he's got three goals this season already I think that's like 32 in total since breaking into the United first team in 2019 and you know had a bit of a dip last season as you, you would expect for a young lad like him but he's so good left foot right foot mm. always finds those bottom corners doesn't he he's uh, such a clean striker of the ball yeah. as well so he just hits it cleanly every single time I, th- I think this is the first time a teenager has scored in the first three games of the season since Robbie Fowler. That's right. I think yeah. there can't be like that's, that's as high a praise as it gets for a striker, really. So yeah, I think he's he's excellent, mate. Yeah. I wonder when Greenwood's going to have his fat period at Man City. <laughs> <laughs> so keep an eye out for that one. Uh, Wolves were appealing for a foul against Pogba on uh, on Ruben Neves in the build-up to this goal, but nothing was given. Uh, they did a check it with VAR. Mike Dean was the referee. What were your thoughts on that incident, Alex? I sort of can't believe this wasn't given. As a foul um for me he's off his feet and if he's off his feet the letter of the law means that that's a foul intent as we've already seen this season doesn't matter um so i really don't see how mike dean can't give that especially not especially going to var as well um i'm not saying i think it should be a foul um i think if in my ideal football world that wouldn't be um, but yeah, he's off his feet. So I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I don't really see how that can't be a foul, to be honest. Yeah, it feels a bit like the sort of prioritising speed above all else yeah. moment, to try and just reach a decision as quickly as possible. It doesn't really yeah. matter if it's the right one or not. Like last season, they probably would have slowed that down, yeah. looked at a still image of him catching him on the top of the ankle and gone, no, that's a, that's a foul. Now it's like, oh, it doesn't look like a foul on the first yeah, viewing, so it's not. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. I mean, I mean, the question is, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer going to row back on his criticism? Well, exactly, yeah, after, yeah, yeah. After he was kicking off about it last week, I suspect not <laughs> uh, what did you make of Rafael Varane and Jaden Sancho on their f- first starts for United Angelina um, I think for Sancho it was probably one to forget um, yeah. but yeah I mean with, with Varane he, he seemed to look good I do um, maybe a little bit blindly because we, we've not seen enough of him yet but I do blindly have, have faith in him I guess just from his experience and stuff um, I think Sancho will get there Um I think it's probably a little bit too soon to to judge. Uh, maybe ask me again around Christmas time, and hopefully I'll have an update of improvements. But um, but yeah, regarding Sancho, a, a little bit disappointing, I must say. Mm, do you think that might be Dan James's last game in a United shirt? Possibly. I mean, I've seen without getting too transfer heavy, but I have seen a lot of uh, rumours. I think he was kind of on the outs anyway, and I think this is maybe just the icing on top of the cake. I thought he would have gone out on loan, to be honest, mm. um, but. You know, he, he is a talented player um, and I think he's definitely got a place somewhere, but just not really at Manchester United. Yeah, Ronaldo in, James out isn't a bad swap, is it really? No, no I'm, I'm not fuming <laughs> at that. <laughs> uh, as for Wolves, that's now 57 shots in three league games and still no goals this season. Are they ever going to score a Premier League goal again, Alex? <laughs> I mean, I'd be almost impressed if they didn't score again this season, to be honest. <laughs> but um, I don't know, that would be a slight concern for me. Um 
Raul Jimenez, I mean, obviously doesn't look quite the player that he was before the injury. I'd, I mean, I've no doubt that he will get there, but it's going to take at least a few months, isn't it, before he gets back mm-hmm. up to full speed, quite rightly. Um, I'm sort of quite surprised he's played as much as he has so far this season. But um, yeah, he didn't really didn't really look at it yesterday. Um, they've got, obviously got the new sign-in, Huang, to come in, who mm, looks yeah. like he could be a pretty pretty decent addition. But yeah, you know, it might take a while for him to get used to the Premier League. The big one's Pe- Pedro Neto, though, for them. I think yeah. the sooner he gets back fit, the better, because he's, he's so important to them. He stretches defenders. He's sort of on the last shoulder all the time. He r- runs the defenders. He's, yeah, he's key for them. So the sooner they get him back, the better. But I, I wouldn't be overly worried about Wolves. It's just, um, yeah, getting those key players back fit, really. Yeah, do you think they're, they're sort of pointing in the right direction under Bruno Lars. I, I, think, I think they were really fun to watch in this game. And They've looked good because, I mean, towards the end of last season, they were pretty turgid, weren't mm. they? Um, I think the sort of Nuno move, him leaving was probably right for everyone. Obviously, there's no bad blood between them, um, between the fans and him or the club and him, really. So I think that was the right decision. But yeah, they look pretty good this season. Like you say, 56 shots is impressive, but then no goals is also impressive in, in the opposite direction as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be overly worried, but they, they certainly look a, look a better side than they did last towards the end of last season, that's for sure. Indeed. Uh, well, the weekend began with Arsenal making a holy show of themselves in a 5-0 defeat at <laughs> the Etihad. Uh, that's their worst start to a season since 1954. It's still... Early in the season, they've had some really tough fixtures to start. But Angelina, do, do you actually see Mikel Arteta turning things around there? Should should the fans still, quote-unquote, trust the process? <laughs> oh, trust the process. Like, oh, I would be at my wits' end regarding this process. Like, how long do processes need to go on for? I just feel like it's, it's a really... It, it is a tough one because I feel like when they won um, the, the FA Cup, I think my hopes were kind of high and I expected more from them moving forward and they failed to deliver. So mm. if, if I was an Arsenal fan, I would not be trusting in this process even before this season began, do you know what I mean? But I think it's also unfair to, to judge him on games, you know, against, you know, maybe the Brentford one, fair enough. But, you know, the, the teams that they've faced are unfortunately for them, they're on a completely different level to them. <laughs> so they were never going to... Uh, be able to deliver wins in my personal opinion against those teams so I if I was a fan regarding Arteta I would I'd reluctantly trust just because I think you need to give it a few more weeks in the league Um, but I think also Arsenal fans need to stop living in I don't know a bit of denial that they're still at this level because unfortunately as we've seen they are very clearly not on the level of some of these top top <laughs> clubs anymore yeah. and I don't know when the penny's going to drop for some fans because there is a lot of delusion still going on. They are nominally still in the big six aren't they? <laughs> I, <would say. laughs> I might start using trust the process actually when our boss is saying we have done this work or <laughs> yeah. 100%, 100% anything that you're a little bit delayed on just trust the process like I'm a nightmare for leaving you know to go meet people on time and I'll, you know, I might be in the car and I'll be like listen I'm on my way just <laughs> exactly. I, I found it interesting um, thinking about it this weekend that, that on the way to winning the FA Cup in 2020, Arsenal beat City and Chelsea, and they seem to have gone so far backwards. Then it's like a different team, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. so, it's so weird. I mean, the defending on the first goals here was abysmal. I actually tutted on the second goal. I'm a City fan. <laughs> Do you think a legitimate complaint about the second goal, though, Alex? Was it a foul for Laporte uh, from Laporte on Chambers? 
I'm not sure I'd buy that, to be honest. I think if you're an Arsenal fan complaining about that, then you're very, very clutching at straws, to be honest. I think even, I mean, even with that Chambers being in the box, it bounced twice mm-hmm. before it got to Ferran Torres from pretty low cross, which, I mean, even at Sunday league standard is absolutely criminal. Um, I think Angelina's being quite polite there about Arteta. I think this, yeah. for me, is the final nail in this coffin. I... He, I said this. We said this last week, Dan. I, I think he got lucky that he won the FA Cup and that bought him some time. But I mean, Guardiola before the game in his press conference last week said we're judging Arteta on two games, but we're not though, are we? We're judging no. him on all of last season as well, which they weren't very good in either. So I think he's had long enough now. I think they've gone backwards with him. I think Arteta is probably a good coach, but not a good manager. Um, Bit of, bit of a Carlos I, Queiroz kind of yeah, situation. Yeah, maybe there. something like that. I just He's clearly not got what it takes to manage in the Premier League. I mean, obviously, Arsenal would be difficult for anyone. But for this to be your first job, I think, is an almost impossible task. That's not his fault. That I think, what's the phrase? That a fish rots from the head. And I think Arsenal are rotting from the head. I think it would be difficult for any manager, really. But... Um, yeah, Arteta's got to go for me. I think they, they're abysmal and they just need someone to come in and sort of straighten things out because, I mean, I know they went down to 10 men, they're playing against Man City, but it was just, it was so bad. It was so, so bad. And yeah, I just... The pressing from the front was just abysmal, wasn't it? It really well? was, it was, yeah. There was sort of no... It just, like we said about Chelsea earlier on, they're so well coached and everyone knows what they're, what they're doing and what their job is, even with 10 men. Arsenal are the complete opposite. Um, and they just didn't have a clue. So yeah, that's yeah. I'm sorry, Arsenal fans, but I think um, if he doesn't go, there could be some serious trouble this season. Yeah. I think there was a point when it flashed up on TV. You know, the possession last five minutes, and it was 99 percent for City. 99 percent possession. I wouldn't even think that was possible in a Premier League football match. Never mind one against a supposedly top top team with some some talented players. I mean, Granit Xhaka, he wanted to leave in the summer. He ends up being given a new contract with Arsenal two 0 yeah. down here. He gets himself sent off for a stupid tackle. I mean. I mean, doesn't that just sum it up for them, Angelina, the, the predicament they found themselves in? Oh, it's just disaster after disaster. I mean, I, I think, was it at the end of the game that they got, what, a single shot that was off target anyway? Mm. And I think on the whole, it was like 19% possession or something. Um, and then on top of that, you've got this player who's done this bizarre 180 on his future. And then... You know, shows his commitment to the club by getting sent off at the worst possible time. An experienced player who's allegedly there to help guide young players. I wouldn't want him anywhere near my other players mm. at this point. And it just could not have been any worse. I guess maybe if they'd have lost like 10 nil or something. But yeah, <laughs> just a terrible, terrible um, icing on top of the cake. Yeah, well, I said last week that Norwich was probably the worst performance I've seen at the Etihad for a while. I think Arsenal must have been listening. <laughs> Hold my beer, kind of thing. <laughs> well, I mean, City, they've scored 10 goals in two games Alex does this mean that they they don't need a striker or are we putting that mostly down to the opposition they've been up against yeah I think Norwich and 10 man Arsenal aren't going to be the city's toughest opponents this season but um I mean you still need to score the goals don't you and City have done that um I really I think Ferran Torres has played really well for the start Mm. of the season he's really impressed me I mean I'm I think you're probably of the same opinion as me, Dan, but I was never entirely sure why City would pay 150 million for Harry Kane. I didn't think he would improve them that much. Yeah. And that's a lot of money to pay for a 28 year old. Obviously, they didn't want to pay that much, but I don't think they need him really. Um, but it's this time next month where we're really going to see what City are made of. I think they've got, I've written this down, sorry, they've got Chelsea, PSG, and Liverpool all away from home in the space of seven days. Piece of piss. Um, so that's going to be, um, that'll be where we really know. 
whether they should have bought a striker or not. But for the time being, no, they look great. Their forward line's <laughs> fluent. And yeah, yeah, like I say, Farron Torres has been, um, been brilliant. Yeah, I have to say, as much as I didn't want Ronaldo, when that Champions League draw was made, I was like, well, at least we've got a chance against PSG now. But I'm not, <laughs> not sure anymore. Although, yeah, I mean, City, they don't have a problem creating chances. Maybe they have a problem taking chances sometimes, but they were still, they've been the league's top goal scorers for as long as I can remember now. They don't yeah. really need an extra 30 goal a season striker. They just need someone to take some of those chances. And like you say, Farron Torres is movement at the moment Pep compared to Jamie Vardy and I think there is something a bit in that in the the way he sort of peels off and runs in behind and stuff so you know they've got even someone like Ilkay Gundogan who can play false nine kind of position and finish chances he was the top scorer last season so I'm feeling pretty optimistic about City's chances even without even without Kane Uh, Bernardo Silva looks like he might uh, have been saying goodbye to the Etihad when he came off in the second half he wants to leave to be closer to his family and you know get away from the the reign of Manchester finally do you think uh, it'll be a big loss to the Premier League if he goes Angelina yeah I mean I can totally understand wanting to get away from the reign of Manchester <laughs> having lived in it for most of my life you know, it's not fun it is not fun um, but yeah I think it's a massive loss you know he's been such a big part of um, City's impressive you know accolades over the last few years a great representation of you know a strong hard-working midfielder and he's given football fans some great moments and you know I, I think he will be missed and I think you know fans will probably I, I would imagine you know feeling grateful that he was part of part of the league and for Man City fans you know part of of Man City's team you know for the years that he's been there so yeah I think it, it's sad but I think a, a player like that you know when they've got reasons like that with family and stuff like that you just got to respect it really I yeah, guess. Yeah very much so yeah the first time I saw him play really was when he played against City for Monaco in the Champions League in that 5-3 famous game mm, he yeah. was incredible mm. that night one of the best individual performances I've seen at the Etihad and I was so happy when we signed him and he, he, his first season was a little bit up and down his second season was incredible he was one of the best players in the Premier League is, we won yeah. the league in 18-19 and yeah um, he's had his moments since then. He's last season. He he, he came good again and, and and was really good. You know, he's got such a, a sweet left foot. They call it bubble gum in the city dressing room because the, <laughs> the ball just sticks to his feet. He, he runs his knackers off every game. Um, he's always been really committed, a really good team player. So it will be a shame mm. to see him go. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the the transfer market now. I'm wondering if anyone can actually afford to take him off City's hands. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if, if this little eulogy is all for nothing. But but if it is, thank you, Bernardo. I've enjoyed having you at City. You've been a great player for us, and all the best. Uh, Tottenham maintained their 100% record of 1-0 wins with a 1-0 win over Watford on Sunday. Uh, Nuno insisted afterwards that the table means nothing at this stage of the season, but surely Spurs fans can take some pleasure from them being top top of the table and Arsenal being bottom, can't they, Alex? Well, my general rule is don't look at the league table until 10 games in. That's really when you know what's going to happen. But I think you're right. I mean, it, obviously, it's great for Spurs fans, let's be honest, to see Arsenal at the bottom of the table. Um, I don't know. I thought First time again, in top flight history that's ever happened, actually. Spurs is it really? Yeah, okay. I think, I don't know, once, that's just, they weren't great, but it was effective. I mean, in Mourinho's time as Spurs manager, they got four one no wins in the entire time, and now they've got three one no wins in a row under Nuno. So, I don't know. Maybe we're finally seeing some Mourinho football at Tottenham, just um, just with his predecessor. You know, it was very functional, very boring, but they're winning one nil on the top of the league. So, I don't know. Can Tottenham fans really complain about that? I don't think they can. Not really. Uh, they've got Harry Kane staying as well. Since we last recorded, he brought to an end one of the most tedious transfer sagas in living memory. <laughs> confirming he'll be staying put. Uh, Angelina, do you think Spurs have a lot to look forward to now with uh, with Kane staying? 
this season? Um, I, th- I think it's a big ask to expect things to suddenly, you know, be perfect and they're going to finish in the top four and everything's going to be fantastic. Um, but I think fans, you know, are probably resting easy in that they know that they're going to see some great goals. You know, I, I would like to say, you know, he's going to be the top scorer, but I think there are a few other, you know, maybe contenders this season. But, you know, he's definitely going to be up there. He enhances this team drastically. So I, I guess so, yeah, you know, they're going to have more to look forward to even if it means just another season of seeing him banging some great goals yeah do you think therefore it was it was the right decision from Daniel Levy to stand his ground because I mean a lot of people say you shouldn't keep hold of an unhappy player but Kane seems like one to me where even if he's unhappy he'll, he'll still crack on and, and give a hundred percent yeah I mean it, it's it's a tough one I mean I I personally get that in that you know I wouldn't want a player at my club if they didn't really want to be there and I think you know he's such you know a a workhorse such a great player and you know some might argue that he's maybe given them too much of of his his time you know um he's he's 28 now not that that means he's over the hill but you know I feel like he's not paid his dues that sounds a bit tight but you know I mean like he's he's put in some really good work at Spurs he's given fans some great moments and I just feel like for me personally like from a respect level a player that's given you that much if they're just saying you know what maybe I want to move I want to try something else I think you should just respect that and thank them for the time and and keep it moving and um, almost kind of like when Ronaldo left you know Man United I feel like it was done in quite a respectful way and mm. I don't really like these things that are dragged out like you say very tedious a, a lot of dramatics and people digging the heels in and stuff like that because at the yeah yeah basically I've just I'm I don't really like it but I guess at the end of the day, they've managed to keep him. And like you say, he's just going to crack on and be happy anyway playing football. So I guess in that case, it's a win-win for everyone. Yep, happy ending, finally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I must admit, when I saw the team sheets for the first game of the season, saw Dyer and Sanchez paired in central defence, I was thinking City were going to have a field day there. But, you know, yet to concede a goal this season. Alex, is that up there with with Nuno's biggest achievements in English football so far? Uh, Yeah, it's got to be close, I think. Getting Wolves into Europe was a pretty big deal, but then, I don't know, I, I thought that would be on the cards one day. I never thought I'd see Eric Dyer being good in the Premier League game again. <laughs> so, um, I mean, admittedly, Watford didn't offer much going forward yesterday, but um, I think the confidence that like three clean sheets in a row brings is huge. Um, they look very solid. Watford, yeah, like I said, Watford didn't get a sniff, but that's because Tottenham didn't let them. Um, and they've got Christian Moreira to come in, yeah. who was probably the best defender in Italy last season. So... Yeah, they look very good defensively this season, which is something of a shock. But um, yeah, it's like I say, three, it's only three games. Let's not get too carried away, Tottenham fans. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good start for them. Actually, what's your really, hunch really saying at this point? Because a lot of people would have said probably not top four before the start of the season. Do you think they might have a chance now? I I think they might just miss out, but I think they'll definitely be closer than they were last season. Um, it seems like. Obviously, we don't know what's going on inside the club, but just looking from the outside, they're much more together as a group this season, it seems. Um, like I said, they're much more solid. If they, if Son keeps um, you know, keeps up the, the form he started, he's got with the start of the season, then they're going to be in the goals. Obviously, Harry Kane to come back, assuming that he's, um, he's at it again. So I think they might finish fifth, maybe take it to the last day. How about yeah, that? Finish yeah. fifth, something like that. 
It's probably going to be, yeah, City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool in yeah. some, some order of the yeah. top four, isn't it? It seems quite difficult to imagine that someone's slipping out of that, but yeah, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting season. Yeah. Uh, another defeat for Watford. I, I didn't think they were too bad here. You were right, though, Alex. They didn't really create much at all. Um, they've got Moussa Sissoko now. He made his debut having joined from Spurs. Do you think he might be a, a smart signing for, for them, Angelina? A bit of experience in the dressing room? Uh, I think it'll be interesting to, to see. I mean, I know a lot of people were fuming because of the situation when he put his foot through the ball and it like nearly hit Nuno and everyone's like, oh, it's obviously intentional and all that <laughs> stupid drama. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess he, it's, it was, it was a weird one at Tottenham because I think, um, unfortunately they're probably going to have to expect the fact that he will get injured. Um, he yeah. has had quite a few injuries, had moments, you know, I think was it the 2018-19 season where he made, you know, like over 40 appearances for Spurs. He was pretty important for them and then he's dipped. And then, so yeah, I guess technically, you know, for a team like Watford, no disrespect, but you know, a, a, a promoted uh, team, it's, he's a player with good Premier League experience. And I think the main thing is if he'll stay fit. Yeah, well, he, he went through a real roller coaster ride at Spurs, really, didn't he? When it, when he first came, people were like, "Who's this guy? I hope we spent thirty million on this clown." And then he really like, like you say, he was he was pretty fundamental to their run to the Champions League finally yeah. in yeah. eighteen nineteen, and then dipped again. And yeah, I, I, it was I, it raised my eyebrows that signing from Watford. I thought that's quite a smart move from them, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Mm. Everton continued their solid uh, solid start to the season with a two 0 win away at Brighton. Uh, all three Everton games have been Saturday three p three p m kickoff so far, so. Does that mean the Raffolution will not be televised? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I thought of that one Very yesterday. Good. I was like, I've got yeah, to say well that on the podcast. <laughs> uh, you said last week, Alex, that Rafa Benitez seems more suited to Everton than Carlo Ancelotti was. Could you uh, could you expand on that for us a little bit, please? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Ancelotti just never seemed like a natural fit at Everton to me. Um, I appreciate he's one of the best managers like we've ever seen, certainly in terms of big trophies won, but... Um, he just never really seemed to get to grips with with Everton and that squad. Um, he, he sort of seemed determined to like force like the square peg of Hammers into a round <laughs> hole. Um, I remember him dropping Pickford for Olsen and then going back to Pickford after about three games. Um, he forgot Luke Garbutt's name in a press conference oh, once, yeah. which which I know is only a small detail. And obviously Garbutt was out on loan at the time, but. I don't know, you would expect a manager to know every senior player at the club. And I think it, that was just sort of indicative of, I don't know, maybe Ancelotti's attitude, really. I, I don't know. I just never, and I never saw him staying for a inver, inverted commas project, which... Oh, it was a pit stop, 100%. Yeah, which yeah. Everton clearly is. So, whereas with Benitez, I totally see him, if Everton will let him, staying there for a while. I mean, I know... Getting it is a bit of an abstract term, but I don't know. He just seems to get Everton. He knows what the fans want. He's sort of dogmatic enough to be, like believe in his own sort of philosophy and and stick to what he knows. But then I don't know. He's also adapted himself to the club a little bit. I don't know. I just think he's a really really good appointment, and we've seen that borne out with the start of the season. They were, I mean. Brighton have been really good at the start of the season um, and Everton sort of blew them away, really. So, um, yeah, I, th- I mean, if, if Everton fans would accept him, I think uh, Benitez will be an excellent, excellent signing. And that's who Arsenal should have gone for, personally. I think Benitez certainly would do wonders with that Arsenal squad. Um, I think he's a great manager. Obviously, was um, forgotten a bit when he went to China. But, um, yeah, I think, I think he's a great appointment for Everton. Yeah, I'd love to know how many Everton fans are still being very, uh, yeah, yeah. very curmudgeonly about him being yeah. there and stuff. If you're an Everton fan and you've, you've not jumped aboard the Rafa train yet, 
Email in and let us know. I'm interested to hear from you. <laughs> uh, Damare Gray scored another very well-taken goal here. The other one was a Dominic, Dominic Calvert-Lewin penalty. Um, Angelina, what did you make of Richarlison's little sulk about not being able to take the penalty in this one? Cannot stand this type of stuff. <laughs> like, I cannot stand it. Like, why were we pulling faces? Why were we having tantrums? Like, at the end of the day, you're earning X amount of money a week. You know, you've had a, a great summer playing football, you know, especially like representing your national team. You know, you're playing all right for Everton, but still, you know, you're playing in the Premier League. Why, why do we have to find things to moan about? Just like <laughs> shut up and do your job. I just think if, if your team has a policy regarding a penalty taker, respect it. Yeah. If they were 4-0 up or something, then fair enough. But they needed to secure the bag. They needed to secure that win. So, you know, allow it, just let it happen. And I think behaviour like that would not make me want to consider him taking penalties because I just think it's really childish, you know, lack of sportsmanship. And I'm I'm just not a fan of, there is nothing worse than seeing footballers sulk. It just really irritates me. So, yeah, not a fan. I did did enjoy that photo of him sort of running off to celebrate with the other players. Just a face (laughs) like thunder. (laughs) Made me laugh. Uh, Norwich are still yet to get their first Premier League points on the board after they were beaten 2-1 by Leicester on Saturday. Uh, of course, another tough fixture uh, to answer the games against Liverpool and City. Is it still too early to tell what their season's going to look like for you, Alex, or do you think they're in, in a bit of trouble already? Um, yeah, like you said there, Dan, I think these are three very different, difficult fixtures to start off with. Um, and I thought they looked a little bit better here, but I mean, the big worry for me is how blunt they look in attack. Um yeah. I mean, I thought well, they, they could they beat, have played... They beat Bournemouth 6-0 last week, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's minute. true. But I, I don't know. I thought they could have played all day on Saturday and wouldn't have scored from open play. Mm. Um, I think Cantwell's a decent player, but he's not a goal scorer. Puki is, was brilliant in the Championship, but I just don't think he's a Premier League quality striker, really. And and then the new shinings, Rashika um, and Sargent, both coming from the Bundesliga, only just arrived. It's, you know, it, it's going to take them a while to get used to the Premier League. So... I don't know, that would be a slight worry for me. I, I like Farker, I like the way he sets up his team, but I just, I don't know, I just don't think they're going to get enough points to stay up, really. I think it's going to be another season where they come straight back up and go straight back down again. And They're really at a weird point in their, in their history, really, where they are way too good for the Championship, but they're just not good enough for the Premier League. Um, like I say, it is only three games, but yeah, I just it's just the lack of goals, really. I, I can see that's where they're going to struggle. Yeah. Sounds like they're signing Ozan Kibak from Schalke, who... Oh, OK. He, he looked all right. A little yeah, bit that's last not season. a bad sign, I don't know if yeah. he's necessarily going to be the difference between survival and relegation, but he, he, yeah, I think that's quite... Yeah, quite that's not a bad sign. sign. Did you have any complaints about the disallowed goal in this one for them? With Campwell blocking Schmeichel's view? Um, I don't know. I could sort of see why it was given. It's one yeah. of those where, again, as we've said earlier in the podcast, it's... The letter of the law, then yeah, maybe, but I don't know. Schmeichel loves a moan, doesn't he? Maybe yeah, that was, he was part. Straight, of, he was straight, yeah, out straight in it, yeah. yeah. So that was probably part of the reason why it wasn't given as <laughs> well. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Rogers said after this game that Carrow Road is a tough place to go for a three o'clock kickoff when the sun's shining. Is that the new one Wednesday in Stoke? You reckon? <laughs> Honestly, that did give a joke. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it did make me laugh. Um, I mean, maybe if they are, you know, uh, the, the the new Stoke, then fair enough. I mean, I guess, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've got the, the wind blowing in from the North Sea. Um, yeah, it's, you know... Bit, bit of a trek isn't it Norwich so yeah. I, I don't know but yeah it's um I, I kind of agree with what Alex was saying and I just feel like with with Norwich you know there's there's a couple of good players um I, I don't really know if they're going to be putting teams through their paces kind of thing if that's what he's maybe trying to refer to that it's going to be tough for, for teams to go there but um 
Yeah, they're, they're all right, but um, I just like the idea of it being the new Stoke 100%. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I don't know if you've watched Stoke lately, but they're playing some lovely football down yeah. in the Championship nowadays, aren't they? It's, uh, they're, not, they're not bad. Too. Maybe they're it's time for Stoke to be replaced. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, maybe this is right, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Crystal Palace got their second point of the season when they came back to draw 2-2 with West Ham on Saturday. Uh, people were making comparisons between Patrick Vieira and Frank De Boer before the season began. Vieira's now got two more points and two more goals than De Boer had at the stage. <laughs> This Palace tenure. So, would you say it's therefore been a, a satisfactory start to the season for them, Alex? Uh, I, I, I use the word That's a very low bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think with the fixture list as it as it was, I think that's that's probably about par. Um, I thought their second half performance here was probably the best that they've had so far this season. Um, I would be a little bit worried with their again, like like with Norwich. I'd be a bit worried with their attack. I'm not sure a team with Christian Benteke and Jordan Ayer in a front three can be considered too much of a danger. Um, although I did see today and for the past few days that they've been linked to Eddie Nketiah at Arsenal, mm. who I think would be a pretty good addition for them. And if they can get him for 10 million, that's a bit of a steal. So yeah, maybe his his introduction would sort of bolster their attack a little bit. But um, And I guess if they got Conor Gallagher scoring two goals every yeah. game, then that wouldn't be too much of an issue. But yeah, I thought the second half here, especially with the way West Ham have been playing... Um, you know, we saw against Leicester earlier in the week that they were they really know what they're doing. So yeah, this was um this was a good point, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it was a good point. Will Hughes as well, they've got him now. We spoke a bit about him last week. Do you think yeah. that'll be a good signing for them? I do, yeah. I think um Conor Gallagher, Will Hughes and Coyate as a midfield three actually looks pretty good to me, certainly on paper. I, I really like Will Hughes. I think ever since he came through at Derby, he's been sort of one to watch. Um, I remember him being heavily linked to Liverpool at one point. Um, that didn't happen, you know, when he was a younger, but in his career he's sort of stagnated slightly at Watford. No, no offence to Watford fans, but um, he's a really excellent he's good pass of the ball. He's got a good engine. I think he's, yeah, he's just a really good Premier League player. I think it's a very smart and sensible move by Palace who at the start of the season I've got to say I was very worried for you know they lost 15 players because of contract mm. issues and letting contracts run down which said to me badly run club but um yeah they've started they started pretty well and yeah like I say that Will Hughes move is a pretty sensible one so yeah it's things look up slightly yeah Palace. still got a uh... Eze to come back from injury as yeah, well. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Michael Elise, yeah. I don't think he's made his yeah. debut yet. Has no, he? no, he hasn't. Yeah, interesting to see how he gets yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of signings, West Ham have spent around thirty million pounds on Kurt Zuma from Chelsea. Do you think he's worth that kind of money, Angelina? And will will he be the answer to their prayers in defence? Um, regarding answer to prayers, I don't know if that <laughs> might be a bit bit of a reach. Maybe I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, he's what, what about twenty six? Um, you know, quite a. A, a tall uh, defender trying to grab at, grasp at straws here. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, um, listen, if, if that's the money they want to pay for him, um, then fair enough. I think he seems very excited. I know he's, he's spoken about trophies. I was a bit confused at that, but, you know, whatever. He wants to win trophies with West Ham. Um, and I guess it's just down to him to maybe, you know, prove that, that he is worth that price tag. I think sometimes it can be difficult when you do have price tags like that and hopefully he doesn't end up floundering and um, I hope it works out and everything. But yeah, regarding answers to their prayers, I'm not completely sold on that idea. Yeah, to be fair, 30 million is basically just a standard transfer fee now, isn't it? That was, <laughs> yeah, true. That, when City signed Robinho for that, that was the British transfer record. And now, like 11 years on, it's just everyone's going for 30 million nowadays. Yeah. Uh, always nice to be reminded that Kurt Zuma's middle name is Happy as well. So <laughs> I did yeah. not know that. Did they know that? That's superb. No. Yeah. 
well done. And that was a happy hammer. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other 2-2 this weekend took place at St. James's Park, where Newcastle conceded a late equaliser to draw with Southampton. Uh, after getting knocked out the League Cup in midweek, it was another poor performance from Newcastle. I saw one of their fans on Twitter saying, Steve Bruce surely won't last the season. Do you think that was wishful thinking, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I think probably is. I think we all know how this goes by now, don't we? As long as Bruce does enough to keep them up for another season, then that's really all that matters to Ashley. Um, I don't know, it just must be incredibly dispiriting for Newcastle fans not only the 95th minute penalty equaliser for Southampton but I don't know I just I actually think the League Cup loss will annoy them more Mm -hmm. I mean they went out to penalties to what was essentially a Burnley Burnley reserve side and that's another year of another chance for that potential cut run I I don't know it's surely that's what the game's about more than trudging to survival every year which I don't know is which is looks like what Newcastle might be doing again this season I mean I guess with Sam Maximan and Wilson they they do have quite an exciting attack but yeah I don't know it just it must be incredibly dispiriting to to go through another season of you know more draws and all that sort of stuff in Newcastle I don't know yeah, well, Sam Maximan scored the winning goal and celebrated with the fans. Well, what looked to be the winning yeah, goal, should yeah, I say. Yeah, celebrated yeah. with the fans. Um, he did a pretty sad tweet after the game where he was like, sorry, guys, we tried our best. Uh, you know, he, signed, he signed a six-year contract last October. Do you think he might be regretting that a bit now, Angelina? He's on the phone to his agent like, what was going on <laughs> when we made this decision? Like, what were we thinking? Why have I agreed to be in Newcastle for six years? <laughs> this is far too much. I mean, you know, I, I, looking at, at clubs he's been at before, you know, imagine waking up every day in Monaco or Nice and <laughs> he's stuck in Newcastle for six years, bless him. But I, I, it must be frustrating. It must be so frustrating. And I would really be intrigued to see him at a different club that actually, like you say, is not just pushing to stay up and just get a draw and just, you know, try and get by and bob along nicely to actually see him at a club with not to be rude but you know a little bit more ambition than that mm. and and I think it's uh it's it, it's a shame really I mean I know he's only young he's only what about 24 um but I will I would be surprised unless something drastically changes I would be surprised if he sees out all six of those <laughs> years because they're going to be very long years at this rate yeah, he must really love brown ale <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it's ni- it's it is nice to be fair yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it was that Alan Pardew? Is, is this Newcastle contract still there? Uh, yeah. I find it baffling that Newcastle just haven't been taken over all this time. It's such a wasted potential of a club. Yeah. Really. It's, I, yeah, I find it very strange. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Alex James Ward-Prowse converted a, a pressure penalty to equalise deep into injury time. Do you think keeping hold of him is possibly the best bit of business they could have done this summer? I, honestly, I think it probably is. I think he's such an underrated player, in my opinion. I mean, obviously not by Southampton fans, but I'm actually surprised he's not linked with bigger clubs, really. I, I mean, I know he was linked with Villa um, earlier on in the summer, but I think he'd fit in perfectly at Tottenham yeah. or maybe even Liverpool as a Wijnaldum replacement. I think he's just very unfussy. He always makes the right decisions. And I think a really underrated thing is he's never injured. Yeah. He's, he's played every minute of every league game for the past two seasons, which as a manager must be absolute heaven. You just know he's going to be there every week. Um, Set I think pieces as well. Is exactly. And I, yeah, I think he's great. And I mean, you just start to look at the coolness um, with which he took the penalty at the weekend. He's... He's a really good Premier League player. Yeah, he's, he's a great asset for Southampton. Great asset. Indeed. Uh, Leeds were held to a 1-1 draw away at Burnley on Sunday. Patrick Bamford said afterwards, I don't want to be disrespectful, but you know what you're going to get from Burnley. <laughs> and he suggested James Tarkovsky had uh, tried a jiu-jitsu move on him at one point. <laughs> Is that fair, Angelina? Are Burnley the most physical team in the league? 
I mean, if the cap fits, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean some, of the, some of the stuff that we've seen, I, I think it, it, it is a, a fair comment. I think they are extremely physical. I feel like their manager just gives me the vibes that he encourages it and he's like, yep, yeah, 100%, like get as physical as possible. He was probably signing them up for jiu-jitsu lessons. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think it is a, a fair comment. I think some of the stuff that we've seen over the years... Um, yeah, definitely warrants a comment like that, to be honest. Yeah, well, they've, they've signed a bit of foreign panache in Maxwell Cornet now. <laughs> if his medical was like uh, karate chopping wooden boards or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen the press photos for, of the signing, but he looked delighted to be signing for Umbro. <laughs> oh, that was hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> he also said, I'm looking forward to playing with and against some of the best players in the world. He does know he signed for Burnley, doesn't he? <laughs> I think he's confused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris Wood's goal in this game was the 30,000th goal scored in the Premier League. Uh, for both of you, what has been your favourite Premier League goal so far? Oh, okay. The first thing that popped to mind was uh, Tony Yeboah's volley yes. for Leeds against Wimbledon. It's a classic, but I think slightly more left field. Do you remember um, Jamie Vardy's over-the-shoulder volley oh, away yes. at West Brom a few years ago? Oh, yeah, that think, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that gets as much love as it needs because that is a superb goal. It's sort of, I think it might be Mares plays was, like yeah. a 50-yard put a ball, comes over his shoulder and then first time just hits it left foot in the far corner. I think that's such an underrated goal. Yeah, so I, thought, I thought you were going to say the Liverpool one, actually. Oh, you? no, that's also very good. I think it might have even been for the same season. But um, no, the, the one away at West Brom, that's that's a oft-forgotten great goal in the Premier League. <laughs> and you, Angelina? Uh, my biased one will obviously be the Wayne Rooney bicycle kick. Yeah, obviously classic. that's the I obvious one. It. <laughs> but, listen, allow it. It happened. Allow it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for for me, if I'm going kind of against Man United, I think um, going back to a very very young Angelina uh, being you know forced to watch football before I could even speak, probably um, you know the Thierry Henry that volley against United back in 2001. Mm. Um, always been a big you know despite him being an Arsenal player you know one of my most favourite players um, you know the kind of player that you go to YouTube and you watch you know old clips of and stuff like that so yeah that one for me probably springs to mind but there are so many Rooney's against Newcastle was better than the overhead kick I think the volley yeah swearing at the referee and then just volleyed it in yeah true (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go I'm going to be really biased and say Georgia King Cladsley against Southampton nice 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 no no, not even not even an option B for me that's that's (laughs) clear (laughs) Uh, finally we come to Villa Park uh, where Brentford drew 1-1 they're still unbeaten this season Uh, Ivan Tony opened his account for the season he's got 31 goals in the championship last season how many are you backing him to score in the top flight this year Alex um he takes penalties, so and he's very good at penalties. In fact, I think Thomas Frank called him the best penalty taker in the world wow. last season. So I think he's good enough to get 15 goals, and he scores important goals as well. Um, and I really think he's going to be the difference between them staying up uh, this season. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an England call-up either. I think he's that good. Um, so yeah, 15 goals, and Brentford stay up. There you go. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I was watching this game and I was thinking it'd be really, it'd be really cruel on Brentford. But why don't Man City go for Ivan Tony? Why not take yeah. a chance on someone like yeah. that? I don't, I don't know how yeah. much how much they want for him, but it's not going to be 150 million, is it? No. And if you can take penalties, we need someone who can take penalties yeah, as well because yeah. we're shit at those. So, yeah, I think he's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, he's so good. But yeah, I'm glad he's staying there. I guess because uh, yeah, they, they yeah. deserve to get a Premier yeah. League season at least out of him. Uh, Thomas Frank was saying afterwards that he always encourages his team to go for the win, and they do look like a brave side to me. Is that the right approach for a newly promoted club? Do you think? Angelina to play without fear 
You know what? I have a lot of respect for that. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see because um, I was looking at the fixtures earlier and I think as we get into like the end of September, October, you know, they've got Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see how much um, fear or lack of fear they've, they've got. But you, you know what? At the end of the day, you've earned your place there. You have put in a shift the season before to get there. So why not just enjoy it? You know, don't be, you know, oh God, we're playing this team. We're not really on that same level as it. You know what? Go out there, enjoy yourselves and try try and get the winner. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for, for that approach. Is it maybe the right approach? You can debate that. But um, I think, yeah, that idea of, of playing without fear and encouraging your team to go for the win, it shows you've got belief in them. And I think, um, I think that's a, a nice thing to have. I agree. Uh, well, it looks like Villa are going to be without Emmy Martinez and Emmy Buendia for a little while now, as they're off to play for Argentina and will have to quarantine in a hotel for 10 days when they return. I think a few clubs might be in that position. There's also been talk that some clubs will be holding their players back. Uh, the Premier League have supported them in that. What are your thoughts on that whole situation, Alex, with the, the red list countries? Should clubs yeah. be allowed to hold the players back? Where do you stand on the club versus country debate? It's a very difficult one for me. And I, and I can... I can obviously see why players want to join it with their national teams. It's World Cup qualifiers. You know, their absence could potentially mean not going to the World Cup, which would be huge. Mm-hmm. I can see why clubs who pay players' wages want to keep them. It's going to be two weeks of international duty and then 10 more days um, in quarantine. That means no training. That means they're going to have to train when they get out, which means probably two more weeks. You're looking at a month to six weeks, which is huge. Um, but then, and this is a tough one for me because I'm not usually one to praise or, you know, the Tory government, but I can also <laughs> see why they're not going to waive the rules just because they're footballers. Um it's a bit of a nightmare situation all round. And I mean, there's no, I don't want to avoid your question, Dan, but there are no easy or correct answers, really. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see who stays and who doesn't over the next few days, I think. You're going to get splinters in your arse if you sit on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's all we've got time for this week. And it is, of course, the international break now. So there will be no Premier League podcast next week. And we'll be back on Tuesday, the 14th of September. Thanks to Alex and Angelina for joining me. Thanks to everyone for listening. And I hope you get something nice in your stocking on transfer deadline day. I'll just be glad when it's <laughs> over. I think we all will. Uh, thank you and bye for now. Bye.